Alrighty, everyone, and welcome back to Mascot Talk, a college football podcast. We got Carson and Bridger here as your hosts. Um, we actually got a crazy week that just happened. Week five was a little bit insane, but you know, to kick it off, let's go ahead and talk about the A people because I feel like me and Bridge kind of have some strong opinions about how the A people you know, is, is set up this week. So, so bridge kind of go through what your initial reaction was to the AP poll and just what do you think should be different about it? Well, we've known for a little bit that this poll is a little bit broken and it's, they, it's just super inconsistent. That's my biggest problem with it. We need rankings, but the AP poll just, it's so inconsistent that you just barely see a team like Kansas make the rankings and last week they were behind Kansas state and like they weren't even ranked last week. Kansas state was ranked. Right. And then Kansas state goes and gets a big win. Kansas beats a decent Iowa state team that really could have gone either way. Iowa state missed that last minute field goal or could have gone to overtime, but either way, like you're just comparing those two. Then we come into this week and all of, all of the sudden Kansas is in front of Kansas state which I'm, I'm not opposed to that by any means. Like, I think they should be. It's just the inconsistency aspect of it. Like, last year, they're not ranked, or last week, sorry, Kansas State's ranked ahead of them. Kansas State has a better win this week, in my opinion, and then Kansas jumps Kansas State. <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, also, Georgia, two weeks now, that they've really, really struggled. Last Like, that Missouri game was horrible. They only dropped one spot. That's crazy to me it's just it's the sec bias is really what it comes down to um just yeah definitely some inconsistency there ohio state week one be the top five team and drop the spot georgia barely beats kent state and then barely beats missouri and missouri is the worst team in the sec and they only drop one spot it just it seems like they can't like figured out Penn state had five turnovers and barely beat Northwestern. Who's like, a, I mean, they're not even a mid program. They're Northwestern's terrible this year. They've only won one game and that was not even on us soil. So, um, <laughs> and, and, but in Penn state moved up Wake forest is behind NC state and NC state has looked far worse than Wake forest has this year. Wake forest is a good team. And, yeah, BYU, the, their their defense is so bad that they almost, I mean, they, they had a close game with Utah State. They had a close game with Wyoming two weeks ago. They've yet to have a game where they really looked that good except for Baylor. So you've got a one-loss BYU team at number 16 when you have an undefeated TCU and, and an undefeated UCLA and an undefeated Kansas behind BYU. So there's just so much inconsistency there. Kentucky really isn't that good of a team. I don't know how they even stayed at number 13. Uh, They should be behind Wake Forest, probably. Wake Forest uh, could probably beat Kentucky if they play today. So just a lot of inconsistency is, is my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally in agreement with the with the whole inconsistency because 
when you look at it, Georgia, you know, and, and I understand, like, we don't like to compare the teams that Georgia plays and what they've looked like throughout the season, but we have to. We, we can't have this bias that this AP poll kind of has where they're looking at, oh, what has Georgia accomplished all, all season? But what they really need to look at is within the past week, what has Georgia done to deserve the number two spot? And in my opinion, they don't. In, in my opinion, I think Ohio State should be ranked number one. They've looked far and away better than anybody else. Alabama and Ohio State, pretty interchangeable, in my opinion. You could put either of those two at one or two, and it would work just fine. I think Michigan or Clemson should take three and four. You can interchange those two. I think Georgia should be five. I, I really do. Th- these past two weeks have just been atrocious for Georgia. And Kirby Smart was talking about how every road game is tough in the SEC and blah, blah, blah. But it's th- – guys, You're this is a Missouri, Missouri. team. <laughs> yeah, this is a Missouri team who got their butts kicked by Kansas State, who should have beat Auburn but sucked enough that they didn't. And then they literally led the game until the fourth-minute mark left in the game in the fourth quarter. So I don't think Georgia deserves the number two spot. In fact, they should drop down to five or farther. Um, Also, I would as well have put in UCLA, Kansas, and TCU above BYU. Um, I think all of those teams, if they were to play BYU, would, would most likely become victorious. I think that I agree with you as also that Wake Forest should be, in my opinion, around 13 or 12. I think Wake Forest had opportunities to beat a really good Clemson team and just fell short when when you look at what Wake Forest has done all year long besides the one-point victory against Liberty, they've looked really good. And I think Wake Forest has a chance to win out, but sadly, they're in the same division as Clemson, so they're not going to get in unless Clemson drops two games, and, and I think that Clemson won't drop two games. I think their schedule is pretty easy after this, but that's kind of our takeaway from the... Uh, another one is from, also, sorry to interrupt you, is um, how LSU the, that 23 and on is super messed up too. It, to me, this is a biggest show of SEC bias is that Florida State beat LSU week one. They have the same record. Florida State just lost to a really good Wake Forest team drops out of the rankings. They put LSU in instead and LSU beat Mississippi state and Mississippi state just broke the ranking at number 23. Somebody has to be able to explain how does Mississippi state beat a pretty mid Texas A&M team and somehow jumps to 23 when really Florida State should probably be still in that 23 to 25 range for losing to a good Wake Forest team, and they've already beat LSU, so how do they drop out? Like, there's, I can't stand, I'm sorry, I hate the SEC bias. I hate it. They're, the SEC is a good, is the best conference, for sure. We, we can all admit that. But... Yeah. The mid-teams in the SEC, they're just like every other conference. They have one or two good teams every year that just outstand or outlast the other teams, like usually Alabama and Georgia every once in a while, Florida, at least in the past. But now it's just Alabama and Georgia. Everybody else is pretty mid. Like 
on any given day. And that kind of shows up in bowl season. Normally in bowl season, like we see uh, these SEC teams, a lot of them will lose. So it's like the mid teams, they, they still compete, but you can't tell me that like Mississippi state wouldn't lose to Florida state or LSU, which they already did. So I don't know. That's, that's my rant. For, for the episode because I just I can't say I won the people and how inconsistent it is and then also just the SEC bias there's seven SEC teams ranked on here uh, which yeah that's crazy it's Cincinnati lost to Arkansas and somehow they, it's like they just have nobody else to put in there like Cincinnati somehow makes it to 24 when Cincinnati lost to Arkansas and Arkansas is out of the ranking which they should be um, but somehow Cincinnati makes it to 24 so when James Madison should probably be at number 24 James Madison is uh, 4-0 or 5-0 and they've uh, looked really good all year they they beat out to date they're they're definitely they're probably better than Cincinnati so yeah yeah I agree the, the AP polls just you know not not the best um so just kind of kind of going into the games and kind of recapping starting off the ACC um the game I'm going to pick and talk about is the Wake Forest and Florida State game cuz I I'm pretty sure Bridger probably is going to talk about the Clemson North Carolina State game but I mean I felt like Wake Forest really showed that they are a really really good team um they went into Florida State's home and and beat him pretty solid. I mean, it's thirty one twenty one. Florida State still, you know, had chances, but I think what I really learned from this Wake Forest team is that Sam Hartman's legit. Sam Hartman had a great game. Um, they had a great job running the ball. They had a lot of success running the ball, and that really helped them. Um, and you can just kind of tell that Florida State really hasn't seen a team as explosive, I think, on offense as Wake Forest. I mean, you could argue LSU, but I think Wake Forest just all around is such a veteran team on offense. And what we just saw was, you know, it pays to have a veteran offense and they were able to get the job done in Florida State. And it's just too bad that they lost to Clemson because – you know, they're going to need Clemson to lose twice in order to make the ACC championship game. But this is still a really good Wake Forest team. Yeah, I agree. And they that's one thing that every conference, I, I think everybody's kind of talking about that, is what the Pac-12 did this year with just eliminating the divisions in the conference, which is a way better idea anyways, because uh, especially for the conference, they won a top ten matchup in they in their championship game. I would argue so, especially for like views and and popularity. So, like the ACC, you get Wake Forest is probably the second or third best team in the conference, and they're not even going to be able to make the ACC championship if Clemson wins out. So, uh, it's the same thing with the Big Ten East. You have. Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all in the same division. And any one of those teams on any given year could, could all three of those teams are probably the top three teams in the whole Big Ten between the East and the West, uh, undoubtedly. And only one of them gets to make the championship. But um, having said that, like, yeah, Wake Forest, they played a great game. 
I think Florida State is a good team. They just offensively, it's hard to keep up with Wake Forest. Wake Forest has a really dynamic offense, and Sam Hartman is he's a really good quarterback. So Wake Forest, they're a really solid team, and they they've proven that so far this season. I like the way that Wake Forest has been playing, and Florida State, I also think, is a good team. Uh, they just it's so hard to compete with unless your defense can slow that offense down. So it's going to be really hard any day for, for him to score as many points as Wake Forest does unless your defense can slow him down, which they couldn't. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the Clemson-NC State game, uh, mostly just because that was one of the bigger games from the week in Clemson. They did take care of business 30-20. to 20. Uh, there were a few things that stood out to me in that game. Um, I think that Clemson offensively played really well uh, from the start, which is something that they actually did against Wake Forest, too. They, the first three weeks, they started really slow, and then it seems like the last two weeks, they've actually kind of picked it up. Uh, but the game was close uh, at halftime. I mean, it stayed close the whole game, really, but uh, until like that, mid or the end of the fourth quarter. Um, but Clemson... Uh, the second half really took over, and their defense played well. I don't think NC State has that incredible of an offense. They it didn't. I mean, all year they haven't done anything crazy. They only scored twenty one points against East uh, East Carolina, and then they only beat UConn forty one ten. So NC State's offense, I don't think, is crazy. So I think that made it a little bit easier. They also had two turnovers, and Clemson played pretty clean. So. Yeah, and, and DJ Uyunglele has actually played in these past two weekends where he's really needed to play good. He's rose to the occasion and rose to the challenge and played tremendously. I mean, he ra- he ran the ball for 73 yards and two touchdowns on top of throwing it for 209 and, and a touchdown. So he was, he was able to really spark that Clemson offense, and they've really just had troubles this entire year getting you know in the first couple of weeks getting that offense rolling but they've done a really good job these past two weeks when playing you know really good opponents and so I just I just feel like they just outplayed North Carolina State the whole game uh Devin Leary didn't really play that well um for NC State you know had a touchdown but had an interception um, so I just think Clemson is is a really good team this year. I do believe that their defense is, has been playing really good, and so I still think that Clemson um, beatable. Right? I think that like Clemson's definitely lacking offensively and defensively. I just, it's Clemson's a hard team for me because I mean, even the first couple of weeks we were talking about how overrated Clemson might be, and it's just a matter of competition. It's the only good win they have is Wake Forest, in my opinion. I don't, I don't really know that. And I mean, if NC State would have lost Week One against East Carolina, which uh, they probably should have, then NC State wouldn't even be ranked, and that would have never even been a top ten matchup. So, but again, like Clemson, I still have doubts about their team. I think Clemson, like I think they've come a long way. I just I still have some doubts about that team, and it's just they have such an easy schedule going forward that I'm not sure uh, that will. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they could still lose 
a game, maybe Florida State, Miami, even maybe Notre Dame if if Notre Dame can play well in that game. I, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, on any given day, I guess they could lose, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Big 12. Uh, the game I kind of want to address was the Oklahoma TCU game. And and the reason I want to address this is because TCU not only beat Oklahoma, but they torched Oklahoma through the air, through the ground. I mean, it, it did not matter. Max Duggan, TCU's freshman quarterback, played outstanding, had 302 rush or excuse me, throwing the ball with three touchdowns. I mean, TCU literally just did whatever they wanted to against Oklahoma. And if I'm Oklahoma, that's this is raising a big red flag because you would have expected, especially out of a Brent Venables coached team, that defense is one of the most important parts of your philosophy, right? So Oklahoma gave close to 700 yards of total offense up against TCU. I mean, TCU's looking like a really good team this year. I don't. I think everyone's kind of sleeping on them, but still, I mean, this was just not a good game for Oklahoma, and it's just kind of alarming if you're an Oklahoma fan because now you got a a solid Texas team who more than likely is going to get Quinn Ewers back at quarterback this upcoming week for the Red River shootout or rivalry. So, I mean, hats off to TCU, but. If you're Oklahoma, this is a little alarming. Yeah, they're in a scary spot. They have Texas, then they have Kansas. Those are both games that they could lose. Um, then they have Iowa State, and Iowa State always plays Oklahoma pretty tough. And then they have Baylor. They still have West Virginia. They still have Oklahoma State. And they also have Texas Tech on the schedule. So the Big 12 all around this year is pretty good. Uh and we've kind of been saying that from day one, all of these teams, if they just beat up on each other, they're all pretty good teams though. And um, yeah, if you're Oklahoma, you've got to be a little bit nervous with what TCU just did to your team. That's yeah, that's uh, (laughs) that's a big turnaround from what Oklahoma did the first three weeks. And this was starting to look like an Oklahoma team that, you know, we were like, man, this this Oklahoma team might be pretty good this year. Like, I think almost everybody pretty much had them in the playoff. Uh, I mean, I'll, most of the predictions that I saw at least had had them in the top four. So, yeah, if you're Oklahoma, you're a little bit concerned about your defensive performance against TCU. <laughs> TCU hasn't done that to any team this year. And then they just went out and took it to Oklahoma, which which was probably a surprise just the way that it happened. Like you said, almost 600 yards total. Um, and they pretty much did that with ease. They did it all in the first half almost. So, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Um, the Big 12 game that I'll bring up, there's I kind of like all of them. But I'll I'll talk about Oklahoma State and Baylor just because I think that Oklahoma State is they're actually a good team. I had doubts about Oklahoma State and I still have a little bit of doubt just because of um what Baylor was able to do uh in the passing game, especially in the second half. But you know, Oklahoma State played solid. 
they they're not a bad team at all. Uh, they offensively they played really well, I thought, and um, I really liked that Baylor outgained uh, Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State just they did what they needed to. They they played clean. That was one of the biggest things. So I thought that was the big win for Oklahoma State. Um, I I I like the direction that that they're going. They're still undefeated, four and zero. So you know they're. Uh, their rushing game was really good. They ran for 166 yards, and they only had one turnover, a Spencer Sanders interception. So, um, But other than that, I, I felt like it was pretty clean. Yeah, I mean, if when you look at Oklahoma State Baylor in the past, right, like last year Spencer Sanders threw a combined seven total interceptions in the two meetings that they played against Baylor. And, I mean, granted, he did have an interception this week, but he played a lot cleaner um Blake Shapin for Baylor had two picks and that didn't um you know that hurt Baylor and then you know it it just is always tough when it's the opening kickoff of the second half and Oklahoma State takes it the distance for a touchdown I mean that just kind of is a blow to Baylor and so I think Oklahoma State's a really good team now they they have some tough opponents upcoming um in TCU in two weeks, they got Texas Tech this upcoming week. Uh, they still got Texas and Kansas on the road, um, as well as you know the Bedlam rivalry in Oklahoma. So, I mean they they still got their work cut out for them. But I do think that all around, this is probably the best Big Twelve team right now. Um, next to I would even I would dare say next to TCU and Kansas. Um, I would say those three right there are the top three teams in the Big 12 this year. And so as long as Oklahoma State can just continue to make smart decisions, as long as Spencer Sanders can continue to not throw picks, I think Oklahoma State's going to put themselves in a really good position to win the Big 12 and potentially, hopefully, make a playoff spot this year um, and and kind of have someone else other than Oklahoma from the Big 12 in the, in the yeah, playoffs. I don't think another team other so, than Oklahoma from the Big 12 has made it right. Not to the playoff. Yeah. At least Oklahoma State's so, come close I mean, a couple of times. but Yeah, they they would have if they would have beat Baylor last year because they were right. ranked fifth. And that was right when Georgia lost, and that would have knocked Georgia out if Baylor wouldn't have won. So um, kind of or moving on, <laughs> cruising through here. We got the – yeah, that's right. Or since tonight, the Big Ten, um, the, there was a lot of interesting games. I mean, I think the biggest game was Michigan, Iowa, but I want to talk about Michigan State, Maryland. And the reason I want to talk about this game is because the panic button should have been pressed last week, and it's total chaos now in East Lansing. And and the reason is is because they got. In my opinion, the number one team in the nation, Ohio State, this upcoming week, coming to East Lansing, and they're going to put the hurting on Michigan State because Michigan State is arguably has one of the worst pass defenses. It's 131st in the nation, so I think it is last. That's dead last. Um, and Maryland, you know, Maryland played Michigan really good two weeks ago, um, and they played really good. On Saturday, and I don't think that Maryland's a bad team whatsoever, but this is alarming if you're Michigan State. It doesn't matter if you lose to good teams or not. Mel Tucker is having a really hard time winning because they've dropped their last three games. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's alarming for sure. Maryland is, they're a good team. It's just surprising. I, I mean, if anybody <laughs> at the beginning of this season would have told me that, you know, Michigan State would lose to Washington, Minnesota, and Maryland, I would have probably doubted them. So, yeah, interestingly enough, like they, they just they've rolled over and basically, you know, let teams do whatever they wanted. Maryland threw the ball well. They also ran the ball well. And I don't know that the score really kind of says the full story of how this game went. Um, I mean, Maryland hurt themselves a few times with penalties. And that's kind of a lot of like how Michigan State moved the ball is what it seemed like to me. But Maryland uh, had 489 yards of total offense, almost 500 yards and 300 of it was through the air and 175 on the ground. So, you know, any if a mid-Maryland team can do that to Michigan State, then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know what Ohio State's going to do to them this week. Probably worse than last year. Um, uh, it, yeah. It's just it's just not going well, and and it's not even that Michigan State's defense is bad because they are right like that that is one of the worst defenses that I've ever seen at Michigan State. Who, you know, back in the you know early 2010s and stuff, Michigan State always had one of the best defenses in the nation. Um, and so Peyton Thorne, though, for Michigan State, Michigan State's quarterback has just not played well at all this season. Um, he did limit the turnovers against Maryland. He didn't throw any picks, but his his just completion percentage has gone down. Um, you, you know, he just he does not does not have help on offense from any of the role players whatsoever, or you know, skill players like wide receivers and running backs, and it's just. And this is this is going to hurt Michigan State because, as me and you were talking earlier, Bridge, you could almost chalk up that Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are all going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, guaranteed losses for the Spartans this year. They just, with that passing attack that Ohio State has, that Michigan has, and that Penn State has, you can chalk those up as guaranteed losses. And right there, that's six losses. So Michigan State would need to win out, but the problem is, is they still got to play a solid or not a solid, but a Wisconsin team who at home is genuinely pretty tough. They still got to play on the road against Illinois. Who's shockingly four and one. Um, and, and they still got to play Rutgers in Indiana. And at this point, I mean, you, you just don't know that Michigan state's going to be able to pull off even a bowl game at this point. So I just, it's, it's alarming. This is year three in Mel Tucker. He just got a hundred million dollar contract extension. And you gotta be thinking if they get blasted by Ohio State and Michigan, I could almost predict that Mel Tucker is gonna get has a good chance of getting fired before the end of the year. Yeah, definitely alarming. Uh talking about job openings, we have one in Madison. Uh with Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, got manhandled by Illinois. That's probably the worst performance I've seen from a Wisconsin team in the last quite quite a while. And that's, yeah, that's 10, 20 years. There at Coach, yeah. I guess, but yeah, super, super crazy how, 
how fast the team can turn around. Wisconsin started the season pretty good, I thought, until they lost to Wazoo. So, uh, yeah, surprised there. Illinois took it to Wisconsin. And then um, uh, there's there's two things I want to touch on just, just in the Big Ten before we move on is uh, the game that I'll probably pick is uh, Penn State Northwestern just because – Penn State had five turnovers in the game. I know it was wet. It was a rainy game. But they had five turnovers. Maybe that'll help Penn State, really, uh, going on the rest of the season. Like Maybe they'll put a heavier emphasis on turnovers. But they only beat Northwestern 17-7 at home. And I, I thought that was a big surprise. And then I know that we were also surprised that Minnesota uh, dropped to Purdue. Uh, that's a that's a tough one because we, we really liked Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just shows how much they value Mo Ibrahim, right? Because Mo Ibrahim didn't play a single snap in that game, and I think that really hurt the confidence of Minnesota, knowing that instead of being two dimensional, um, you know, Purdue most likely wasn't going to bite on the play action, and so it forced Minnesota to throw the ball and. You know, it's definitely not something that they're used yeah, to doing you have as your much. Senior quarterback throw a super senior throw three picks. Uh, that's never something you want to see. And then, yeah, with Moe Bream out, they only ra- they only ran the ball for forty seven yards. So that's that's pretty harsh because um, you can you can get away with three turnovers, especially when Purdue also had three turnovers. So they, they were equal on the turnover margin. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the possessions wasn't the problem. It was the fact that they could only rush the ball for 47 yards. And that's really what's made Minnesota so dominant this year is that their rushing attack allows their offense to stay on the field for longer. Uh, that's the first game that Minnesota's uh, lost in time of possession. So, you know, Minnesota's really good at running the ball, staying on the field, and then just, you know, giving their defense time to, to rest. And then when they get on the field, they just play hard. So, yeah, and Purdue's a good team, no doubt. Uh, O'Connell's a really good quarterback, so Purdue was really looked looked up to going into the season. So, you know, that, that's a tough game to drop for Minnesota, but I think they'll be fine. They're they're still four and one, um, but yeah, definitely wanted to touch on that game just because I know that we we really like Minnesota. They'll, I think they'll still win the West. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I still think they'll they'll win the West. Um, kind of moving on to the Pac-12. There's really only one big game that I think both of us are going to want to talk about. The other ones are are kind of just you know there. Um, but so we can we can just kind of both choose this one. But that Washington UCLA game um, that took place Friday night, I saw that game going completely different than it did. Um, I don't think the score necessarily shows how bad UCLA was just beating up on Washington. I mean, it was forty to sixteen in the in at the end of towards the end of the third quarter. I mean, Washington did do a really good job of making a push right there at the end, but even then, like it was it was UCLA's game the whole day, and it really surprised me. I think Dorian Thompson Robinson played a fantastic game for the Bruins. Um, he threw the ball for 315 and had three touchdowns along with some rushing touchdowns and, and Zach Charbonnet, their, their really 
solid running back had 124 on the ground and Bobo their wide receiver who I'm a, I'm a massive fan of he's I mean this guy's got tremendous upside he's he's around 6566 he's just a massive target but he had six receptions for 142 yards and two touchdowns and I think this was just this was really Washington's biggest test they haven't really played anybody solid until UCLA and and it showed UCLA I guess that close win against South Alabama really, really got to them or something because they they played lights out against yeah, they, UW on Friday. DPR played amazing. That was a fun game to watch. UCLA just that the first three quarters was amazing. Washington had to score two touchdowns and get two point conversions just to even get close in the score. So I'm with you that you know the score definitely doesn't say what actually happened in that game. UCLA just they dominated the whole game. And, yeah, Penix, he didn't play very good the, the first half or even the third quarter. He kind of looked like his old self at Indiana. And, you know, like last year at Indiana, he was pretty inconsistent. So, you know, I was surprised as well that UCLA took care of business like they did. And that's that's why they're ranked. That's why they're undefeated. And, you know, they, they've got another tough test this week against Utah. So, but it's another home game, so that'll be yeah. good for UCLA. And, you know, I, I kind of did want to touch on the Utah-Oregon State game just because of how dominant Utah was in that game. That's a good Oregon State team, man. Like, they were good. They, they even they played USC really tough, and Utah just, I mean, it was close there for a little bit, and then Utah just put the throttle on in the second half and held Oregon State to only three points. So I, I was genuinely surprised that you, I thought Utah would win, but I thought it'd be close at least. And Utah just crushed them 42-16. Yeah, and I, I will say this, though. I think Utah is a solid team. I, this is no disrespect to Utah whatsoever. Um, I definitely think, in my opinion, they're the best Pac-12 team out there right now. But... Oregon State again does it again. They had four interceptions between two quarterbacks on Saturday, and that's just you cannot turn the ball over if you want to win big games like this. And so Utah did a great job defensively getting those turnovers. Uh, Cam Rising had a tremendous game for Utah through three touchdowns, um, basically 200 yards of, of throwing, but he also had 73 yards rushing on seven carries for a touchdown as well. So Utah played tremendous offensively, but it just it didn't help that Oregon State threw four interceptions. And this is really I mean when you look at it, Oregon State in the last two games has thrown four or eight interceptions. Like that's yeah, you just cannot do yeah, that. They did that against no USC matter who you're well. playing yeah, and Nolan, expect to win. Yeah, Nolan started the game. He's been their starter all year and then he threw two interceptions on two passes. Uh so he threw seven times, only completed twice so and then another and then two or interceptions so yeah that's and then they benched him and then they went to another quarterback and then another one they played four quarterbacks total yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't help your team when you turn over the ball that much for sure no no Alrighty, moving on to the SEC. Um, 
the game I kind of want to talk about is I think I, I know what game Bridges is going to talk about, so I'll choose a different one, and that's the Kentucky Ole Miss. I mean, this was a battle of two top 15 teams. I thought it was really good. Um, in, in fact, I was really impressed with Ole Miss because I think the whole year Ole Miss has just not been the best defensive team. They're always known for their offense and Lane Kiffin, um, but they really had to rely on their defense and with you know Kentucky inside the red zone with about 50 seconds left in the game you know Ole Miss's defense gets that strip sack fumble recovery and kneels out the clock for to, to come away victorious but I just think it was so impressive that Ole Miss you know they really had to rely on the side of the ball that they're not normally heavily relying on because the office the offense didn't look terrible, but there's definitely some room for improvement. I mean, Jackson Dart threw for 213, but didn't throw for a touchdown and had a pick. So I think Ole Miss needs to, you know, make sure that their offense gets back to what it normally is under Lane Kiffin. But I felt like that defense, I mean, really, really did what they had to do against Kentucky. And, and Will Levis is an experienced quarterback. He's a really good quarterback and I just felt like Ole Miss yeah, took Ole care Miss of business when they needed to. For sure saved the game. They, Will Levis had two two fumbles at the end of the game that cost them the game. They had one that they were within field goal range with three minutes left and fumbled and then had that last one with the strip sack. So yeah, Ole Miss they they did what they needed to to win. I'd agree their offense could do better, but I think they're both mid teams. But and I'm glad that Kentucky lost because <laughs> if they if they would have won, they probably would have put them at like <laughs> number three since they're an SEC team. So um, yeah, glad that glad that they lost um, the game. That or were you thinking I was going to pick Georgia Missouri? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yes. That's probably the game I'll pick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think it caught us all by surprise that Georgia didn't lead this game until uh, the end of the fourth quarter. Crazy, really. Uh, just the way that it even happened. Uh, <laughs> Missouri was able to move the ball pretty well during the game and it kicked a lot of field goals, but they at least at least got there. Um, they gave their their team a chance to win and. You know, I think that Missouri even had an opportunity to win. I was a little surprised that um, that last drive that they had, um, they only had three minutes left, and it, it's still Georgia. Like, I know that – so, like, they they lost the lead at the end of the game. Georgia scored with three minutes – or uh, not, not very much, like four minutes left on the clock. They scored um, – Missouri gets the ball. They only run three plays. They have a three and out series and they end up punting with three minutes left on the clock. And yeah, I get that they, they were winning all game, but you're still playing Georgia. So the odds of you like actually kicking the ball to Georgia and then them getting it and, you know, like going three and out and, even with Missouri having three timeouts, like the odds of Missouri getting the ball back and then 
making a, a clutch drive at the end to like score a touchdown. I just don't see that happening. So I'm, I wish that we would have seen Missouri take some risk and and at least try to get a first down conversion on that fourth down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think this was a horrendous showing for Georgia. I mean, it the score was nineteen to six at halftime against, um, you know, Missouri. I mean, Missouri was winning nineteen to six. So when you when you really look at it, it's it's really crazy because. You know, Kirby Smart at the end of the game, right? He He's sitting there and he's talking about how difficult it is to win in the SEC on the road. Well, it's difficult to win anywhere on the road. But this is a Missouri team who has not looked good at all. I mean, even, even looking at this, Missouri was only able to get the ball in the end zone one time. They, they had to settle for one, two, three, four, five field goals, and they ended up losing, which is you know it's it's sad but i mean this is just the way it is like you can't let missouri hang around and kick as many field goals as missouri did and still barely win like that missouri only scored one touchdown in the game and yeah, still and should have won missouri actually ran the ball really well i thought uh, they had 5 yards per rush so and Missouri also hurt themselves with penalties. I'm my biggest surprise is that one that Missouri led the game until the end of the fourth quarter because of the fact that Georgia had ten minutes more of possession time. So it's not that Georgia just didn't have the ball and Georgia couldn't, you know, just make it happen when they like needed to because they didn't ever have the ball. Um, it, like they had more possession time than Missouri did, and you know they they had two turnovers. Turnovers hurt them last week. It kind of hurt them hurt them again this week, but it's only two turnovers. So I mean, yeah, I'm just surprised that Missouri had five yards per rush against Georgia, and then they also passed the ball well. Uh, if if Missouri would have had a a little bit better of a team and some more talent, then they could have easily beat Georgia. So that's kind of why we were thinking that Georgia, on a week-to-week basis, which which is what the AP poll should be, you know, Georgia should be at the number two spot because if they play the way that they have the last two weeks, they'll probably lose every team in the top ten. I could see it. So it's a yeah, Georgia looked really bad, yeah. and it's kind of interesting because the first three games that Georgia had, they looked like a different animal, man. They, the way that they took care of Oregon, and then just the way that they played after that, they were only allowing like three points per game, which is just crazy it, for any, no matter the schedule, for any FBS team to only allow three points a game for three weeks. That's crazy. It was better than what they had done last year to start out. And then since then, these last two weeks, it's been a big turnaround. So, and, and it's not, it's, it's defensively is 
really what it is. And then also the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia needs to clean up their act because they still got to play a really good Tennessee team up upcoming here in a few weeks. And if they played like they did against Missouri, I mean, they still got to play Mississippi State on the road. They still got to play Kentucky on the road. So, I mean, they still got to play a lot of really good teams. So, I mean, this this whole weekend, though, it was – I mean, it was crazy. We had a lot of games that – could have gone really either way. We had a lot of surprise, a lot of shocking upsets. So it'll be interesting going forward how these teams do and and what they get ranked. Because in my opinion, Georgia should be ranked fifth or even lower than that. I mean, they these past two weeks they've just not played to their standard um, that they did in the first three weeks. Good couple, so good couple weeks coming up for football. So. The, the good thing is, is that no matter what, it's all going to play itself out by the end of the year, and we'll have one national championship. <laughs> <So>. Yep, <laughs> that's true. I just hope we don't get another SEC yeah, championship, let's, let's national championship to, game. So, so I mean, it's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I know, <laughs> but anyway, so. Thank you guys so much for for tuning in. We got uh, me and Bridge will give you our picks probably around probably around Wednesday sometime. Um, we got a lot of solid games upcoming this week, including a really good TCU Kansas game that we're going to get excited to talk about. But um, as for as for right now, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.